Welcome to episode 136 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe, co-created by Bruce Tim. I am Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And happy Disney Plus Day, Chris. Oh my God, that's right. What a what a glorious day. Uh, As they say in Mad Max Fury Road, what a glorious day. What a glorious day indeed. Yes. Uh, one of the few properties, no, not owned by Disney, Mad Max Fury Road. That's true. I, I rewatched it recently. Did you? How it's did amazing. I, it's I, so, it's such a great rewatch. I need to revisit it at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but who's going to have the time? Because now Disney Plus exists. Exactly. And there is what no do we more have free today, time. Chris, we have The Mandalorian. We have Lady and the Tramp. We have Noelle. We well, have... obviously, I cannot wait for Lady and the Tramp. Obviously. Have you been asking for a live-action dog-themed movie? Are their mouths going to move? How? I think so. I don't remember. It's it, not... It's... Um, Homeward Bound style, where it's just voiceover. Which is I'm fine with. Just mm-hmm. have dogs and then have us do voiceover. We don't need to have weird... It worked well in 101 Dalmatians. They didn't have mouths moving. 102 Dalmatians? No, I mean the voiceover. Oh, yeah, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait a minute. Did I... But even 101 Dalmatians didn't have any voiceover. 102 Dalmatians. It did? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, because... Uh, yeah, I remember one of the dogs talking. Was it like a dream sequence or something? Because the first one has no voiceover. Then the second one does. Okay, I've never seen the second one. Okay. At what point in the Airbud franchise did they start having voices for the dogs? Uh, the pups. Okay, when they get Air the pups. Air pups. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. No, I mean, I, I, I'm i not going to see you anymore is basically what's going to happen. Exactly. You're you, you're lucky I'm here. You're lucky we're recording this, this before. Might, <laughs> this might be the death of the podcast, mm-hmm. actually, is Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Well, I mean, it'll take me three months to watch everything. Three and a half months to watch everything. You have mapped this out, haven't you? You've, of course I you've have. You've actually run the numbers on this. Yeah. Now, it's worth noting that because you are able to work from home, you are able to just have stuff constantly on in the background. Mm-hmm. So you can't, it's not like you're actually sitting down and watching this all the time. It's like, it's on while you're working. Yeah, it's, it's just on. Yeah. Yeah. So you're actually able to have the TV on for like 16 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of us get like 30 minutes. Yeah. So I actually, uh, my mom called me yesterday asking about the podcast. She was asking how old you were and about the the micro generational gap between us. She's like, oh, that can't be a thing. Because the last episode. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's a thing. And she's like, well, you watched everything. And I'm like, yes, I watched everything because I came home and the TV was on from 3.15 to 6.15 the next day and it never went off. Yeah. I never stopped watching television. I still watch cartoons. Yeah. And she's like, well, how did, like, why did he stop? I'm like, well, because... Kids WB had a very certain demographic and it lasts, you know, six years. And once you're out of that demographic, then, you know. Yeah. I mean, for me, it as, just changes. as yeah. soon as all the Batman stuff was off Kids WB, I really stopped watching any of it. Mm-hmm. At that point, I switched over to Cartoon Network to watch Teen Titans and Justice League. Exactly. But I never watched any other stuff on Kids WB. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, I, I think, did I ever talk about the, the Disney Channel theory? No. On here? No, I'll but make it super brief. It's it's not a huge like. I'm more just laughing at the fact that there is a thing called the Disney Channel theory. That's and, what and I'm calling it. I was about to say it exists outside of your head, but thank you for preemptively correcting me. Uh, basically, how Disney Channel works with their programming blocks is they specifically cut off shows at certain episodes. Like there, there was the uh, the Curse of '88. I think it is what it was. No show, no Disney Channel show has more than 88 episodes. Oh, I think you've right, mentioned 66 this. Episodes. Like, they, they time their shows so that basically they'll, they'll catch people at a certain age group, 
during the first season, they'll go as long, like what, two or three years. They go for four years. Four years, so they have their attention. And then as soon as like they aged out, they cancel the show and then start up again with new ones to catch a new audience. Yeah. Okay, then you have mentioned this before. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so it's basically that idea. So is Disney Plus do the same thing or because all this content now lives forever? That's I haven't thought about that. I That's a great question. I I suspect that things are going to be shorter now. We're going to get fewer episodes of stuff in general. I mean, we're already getting fewer episodes of everything pretty mm-hmm. much as we go from like full 22 episode seasons down to 12, 13, even fewer. Yeah. But I think stuff's going to run for fewer seasons as well because now they're just like, well, let's throw a new piece of IP out there. I mean, it's what Netflix does too. It's like, well, uh, I was going to bring up Netflix because they've been recently doing stuff where like they have a great season and then the very last episode, everything's been great. And the very last episode, they're like, oh, got to prep for season two. Yeah. 13 Reasons Why from, like, for me was that way. I, was like, yeah. I really love that first season. And I'm like, oh, this last episode is just all season two setup. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't care. This would have been great if it was just a one-off. The, uh, the Paul Rudd series that just came out. Oh, um, Living With Myself? Yeah. Was that a series? I, don't, I thought that was a movie. I didn't realize it was a movie. It, it's a series. Oh, okay. Uh, and it's it's a great series. It's very fun. It's a great storytelling method. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in the last like five minutes, like they have this whole thing set up where it's going to end right here and it's going to be a great, you know, tie the bow on the box, put it on the shelf when we're done, under the tree and when we're done, whatever. Uh, great. And the last five minutes... Uh, something happens and like, oh, great! Now there's a season two. Yeah, uh, and even uh, the show that just came out, uh, End of the Fucking World, was an amazing season. And the kid is shot at the end. And like, cool, done. Can't have a season two if your main character gets shot. To our surprise, kid didn't die. Don't see him get shot on screen. Uh, and season two came out like three or four days ago. I'm like, I don't. Want, I'm not gonna watch this because season like, one was like just a great. Yeah box but i think they don't care that you're not gonna watch it but they should because as because stra- i'm the only view that matters well, but hang on cameron as strange as this sounds you have standards <laughs> and you'll stop watching something you're not into it but a lot of other people will be like well i know i like this i'm just gonna keep watching it regardless yeah and i think you and i are much more like oh that was perfect the way it was back to I'm season good. eight of arrow <laughs> Oh my! I am gonna watch the Crisis, season seven Crisis crossover, obviously, which yeah. will also be the the finale for Arrow, which is like okay, great. And I think that's what they. I think that's why they're putting so much money in this finale because they know like they've lost millions of viewers since the beginning of this universe. Yeah, but this is the thing of like everyone's coming back for this. What, what would you say? Season two of Arrow is probably the best. I think I stopped watching after four. <clears throat> I think we stopped about the same time. Yeah. I remember season two being really good. That was mm-hmm. the Deathstroke season. Yeah, that was really good. It's like that one, yeah. was like. I mean, of, season one was great. Season one is great. I th- yeah. And by the time I got to season three, it was like, they're bringing in Ra's al Ghul and... Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I that like it, one. I feel that like that one, was... one got a little bit weird at that point. Yeah. I don't think I ever finished season three, now that I think about it. Because it was the guy who had like psychic powers... Was the the main antagonist? Oh no, Damien. That was uh, without, was that four. That was four. Damien. What was his name? Damien Dark. That's that's right. Yeah, Neil McDonough. Mm-hmm. Great Neil McDonough. Um, yeah, I don't know. Look, we're gonna watch it. Obviously, obviously, we're gonna have to do an episode on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is other stuff to talk about. Of course, I don't believe you. Uh, well, how can you not <laughs> believe me, Cameron? There's at least two things in here that you are already incredibly excited about. That's true. You're right. Uh, let's talk about first the Soul trailer, which came out. So this is the the next. 
next next Pixar next movie. next Pixar movie yeah, after, so after onward which I don't really give a shit about y- yeah I I like the universe they're building I I'm not super interested in the story look it's still Pixar it's still gonna be great it's still I, gonna be I, really I, good they, they have far more hits than misses at this point mm-hmm. I'm just not super invested in it Would this you say two misses uh the good dinosaur I've actually never seen, but most people consider that a miss. Oh, it's horrible. I worked on it. Yeah, I know. And then I, I think most people consider both the Cars sequels pretty much. I, I would only put Cars 2 down. I think Cars 3 is fine. Okay. I didn't really even like I Cars. think it's as good as Bugs Life. Okay. I haven't seen Bugs Life basically since it came out. Mm-hmm. And I was never a huge fan of the movie Cars. Obviously, I Neither love Cars I, yeah. as a, a real-life concept. Uh, but the movie just didn't quite do it for me mm-hmm. but soul by contrast looks to be pretty interesting i feel like they're going more into their inside out sort of space this it sort of absolutely like, is this, this slightly meta space here with um it all being about a person who dies and then their soul is trying to do something i don't know yeah so they they talked more about it at d23 this is the same trailer they dropped at the the conference mm. um were you at d23 I was. I had no idea. Have we talked about this yet? No. Did we put a whole hour and a half long episode out about this? Let's not talk about it anymore. Okay. Yes. Um, Yes. So the idea is um, the soul is brought back to basically heaven, which is now some planet far off in the universe um, for reprogramming to go back into a new human. Oh, okay. But the soul is so passionate about music that it doesn't want to give up its current kind of state of being yeah. to go back through reprogramming. Oh, interesting. Uh, and then Tina Fey, who plays the other soul we see in the trailer at the very end, mm-hmm. um, she has been reprogrammed so many times. She's tired and she doesn't trust in humanity anymore. She's bored with it. So she just stays on the planet. Okay. So you have the overly passionate teamed up with the underpassionate recipe for a good pixar setup yeah no i mean it looks intriguing and i'm always interested in whatever's coming from pixar and uh, i don't know we shall it's see. always very unique yeah um but the other thing i know you're super Except excited for cars 2 and cars 3 exactly which are yeah forgettable uh i know you're super excited about this the first look at scoob yeah came out the potential first look at the hanna-barbera verse yeah that's maybe true. hopefully so we only saw the uh the scooby gang itself mm-hmm. we didn't see anybody else because i think i have uh like the information here so as a reminder to everyone actually no, i'll let you remind them of what this movie is cameron oh it well i don't know it's a scooby-doo movie well but it's more than a scooby-doo movie it's an animated Scooby-Doo movie. I don't know what you want me to say. I don't remember. It includes the other elements of the Hanna-Barbera universe. It's not yes. just okay, Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, we haven't seen anything about that yet. No, but like... I was thinking... I was Sorry, I was trying to... While you were talking, I was trying to remember who the voice cast was. Well, have, that's like, what I have up here, people. and that's what I was trying to tee up, is that they have other people. So I have it right here. So uh, Frank Welker is going to be doing the voice of Scooby, which he's been doing for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach Efron as Fred. Amanda right. Seyfried as Daphne. Gina Rodriguez as Velma. Will Forte as Shaggy, uh, oh, Tracy so Morgan as Captain Caveman, uh, Kirsten Clemens as D.D. Sykes, Skies, excuse me, Mark Wahlberg as Blue Falcon, Jason Fuck Isaacs yeah. as Dick Dasterly, Ken Jong as Dino Mutt, and oh, no, Ian Armitage right. as, oh, and McKenna Grace, who are young Shaggy and young Daphne. It's a lot. Okay, I didn't know, I only knew about the gang casting. I didn't know about everyone else. 
I knew something about Scooby-Doo you didn't? Not anymore. No, fair enough. Uh, but no, I mean, just based on these first images, like, you know, they it looks... It's not super stylized. Like, you know, they look kind of in the same vein as... Not quite a... a, a Despicable Me, because that actually is a little bit stylized. Yeah, it's because it's... It's it's who's, like... Who's making this one? It's not Illumination. It's not DreamWorks. Oh, well, it's Warner Brothers. Oh, it's Warner Animation. Okay. Yeah, it's Warner Animation. So, okay. I mean, it, you know, they look not far off from, say, like, the Frozen universe, which is slightly stylized, but whatever your version of, like, CG, not photoreal, but, like, fairly grounded, well, realistic. Well, they're kind of block... I'm, I'm just thinking of Fred. They're kind of blocky characters, aren't they? Yeah. Okay. I mean, they look pretty grounded. I know, but I like it. No, I like it too. I mean, I, I would say this looks like a, a pretty faithful CG adaptation of the original animation style. Mm-hmm. So, fucking, woof, woof. fucking he's dog. excited to talk about Scooby Doo. He's that's true. He's a big fan. He heard us talking about his brethren. Th- think he's more of a Dynamite fan. He's definitely a Dynamite fan. Did you ever watch Blue Falcon and Dynamite? No, or not Blue Falcon and Dynamite. Who was? Yeah, it is Blue Falcon. Yeah, Blue Falcon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I know of them. I never watched it. No, I, I watched uh, Joe seeing the Pussycats in space, which Great. I've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't really watch any of the rest of it, though. I never watched any Captain Caveman. A little bit of... I was the Underdog, I, I never, but I never, Underdog isn't... Underdog um, is great. That's not Hanna-Barbera, though. That's... Is Underdog... No, I thought... Isn't Underdog in the same from the same company that did Rocky and Bullwinkle? I feel like that's a different company, right? Yes, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking... Sorry, I'm thinking of, uh, I think, Snagglepuss. Because Snagglepuss is Hanna-Barbera. Top Cat's Hanna-Barbera. El Kabong is Hanna-Barbera. Uh, Hong Kong Fooey's Hanna-Barbera. Yeah. Loved Hong Kong Fooey. Uh, Maybe Underdog was part of that, too. I think he is. I think he is, yeah. So, wait, who else? Because uh, Peabody and Sherman and Rocky and Bullwinkle yeah, were connected. Yeah, they're not. Mm-hmm. I feel like there was another one, right? Did they have one? I feel like there was one more of that. There probably is that nice same animation remember. company. I don't know. These are the things you're supposed to know, Cameron. I know. I'm, I'm sorry. Why I'm, are you I'm, even I'm, here if you don't know these things? I've been in full Disney Plus prep mode. I know. Have you gone through your anim- two years. Have you been doing your animations? I, you know, I've I've been working, and I'm really trying to make something good. And I don't think it's up to. It's not up to standards. It's not up yet. to your standards. Yeah. Mm, I started fair. doing it because I wanted to do it all hand, hand animated. Uh, and then I remembered that takes a lot of time. Yes. So I storyboarded out this like 45 second video. It's not going to happen like that. No. Uh, and then I'm like, well, I'll just try and hand animate it. Just the first, the first part. Uh, and then like three hours in, I'm like, this looks like garbage. So now I'm going back to my normal style. Okay. So I was doing that last night. I'm glad you have passions and and have time to pursue them. Uh, I don't. But I do. You just don't anyway. sleep. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you see the Invisible Man trailer? I did. I think it looks really good. I'm not going to see it. I mean, it looks really intense. Yeah. But I think I think this is a clever way to approach this because obviously the, there was a recent attempt to reboot the Universal MonsterVerse. So uh, at the first stab at it, well, I guess like the first stab at it would have been the Mummy from the '90s. Yeah. And then that was just its own thing. And then the second stab at it was Dracula Untold. Then they realized Brendan Fraser is his own universe. He is. He's his, absolutely his own universe. And then they did Dracula Untold, which then didn't do well enough to make it land. Then they tried it again with The Mummy. And they had... Would you not consider Van Helsing an attempt? Uh, or is that too disconnected? I think that's a little bit too... I mean, it kind of. But yeah, I mean, it, that's fair. I think it's a fair to Because it also has the Wolfman in it. That's true. Or yeah, it has Wolfman. Dracula. It has Wolfman. So I think it's a fair attempt. 
And then, of course, there was their, their big push for the Dark Universe. So I'm trying to remember this off my head. So obviously it was Tom Cruise as the mummy. I think by the end of the movie, he was the mummy. I didn't see it. Yeah, uh, no, I did. That's well, why this so universe doesn't exist anymore. Russell Crowe as Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Uh, Which I'd still be down to see. Yeah, that's not so bad. Javier Bardem as Frankenstein, I want to say. Yeah, all right, yeah. Johnny Depp as the Invisible Man. And then I mean, the less we see of him, the, the better, better right? absolutely. Yeah. And then there was rumors about Angelina Jolie as I thought the that Bride was the, the confirmed one because that was supposed to be the next one on the list. I'm just trying to remember off that like it was like a Vanity Fair. Um, yeah, that was the photo. Yeah, no, because uh, Bride of Frankenstein was supposed to be the next movie. I thought it was, but I don't think she was in that photo. I'm, okay, I'm bringing it up here. Maybe she was. Now here we go. All right, it. it uh, no, I don't want that. There we go. Uh, no, Sophia Patel is in that photo from The Mummy, but uh, Angelina Jolie wasn't. Okay. So, yeah, that was the other attempt. But now they're trying again, which is, I think, much smarter this time around. They're going through Blumhouse, who does really good low-budget horror. Mm -hmm. They're doing Lee Wanell, who I think he was one of the original writers on Saw, I want to say. Uh, more reason for me not to see this movie. Exactly. But no, he's he's made a really good career um, doing kind of like low-budget horror and sci-fi stuff like that. And it looks really, really intense. And I think this is a really clever way to go about it. So this time around, uh, the main character is played by, um, I was supposed to say Elizabeth Olsen, but no, it's... Um, Elizabeth Banks. Elizabeth, no, not Elizabeth no. Banks. Elizabeth Moss. Moss. That's, the, I'm the, like, it's five letters. It's, it's one of the... Four to five letters. It's one of the Liz's. Yes. Uh, who's amazing. And so she's being stalked by her ex-boyfriend who has found a way to turn himself invisible. Mm -hmm. Who but, everyone believes is dead. Yeah, yeah. He, like, faked his death, and now he's uh, hunting her. And so it's all a way to, like, discredit her and make her seem like a psycho. And beyond the fact that's a really good idea for uh, a horror film, I think it's also just, you know, pretty obviously prescient. Uh, for the world right now, I actually think it looks really good. Do you think it's, it's just a metaphor for like cyberbullying? Oh, absolutely. It's a, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they were going to have Melania Trump star in it, but then mm -hmm. her, she was too busy standing by a wall. Yeah. I, I don't know. What did she do? I don't know. Lick paint? I don't even know. Um, yeah. I think this looks really good. I mean, I'm not a big horror person, but I'm trying to get more into the genre. Good for you. Someone here has to. And I'm certainly not. There is a lot of good stuff out there. I just haven't seen it. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, you you caught up on some horror stuff recently, right? Like around Halloween, didn't you watch the first two Scream movies? Yeah. And um, uh, Evil Dead. I still haven't seen any of those. I need to start. I need to go watch those. Did you you watch the original Evil Dead? Yeah. I I, I want to. I watched the first one because I want to get into like the super campy ones because I heard those are a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I'll talk yeah. about it at the end, but uh, there's definitely some stuff in Nightmare on Elm Street that's very campy. Yeah, in my, I, yeah. In I my know. plugs, I'll, I'll get to that. Uh, I, I do. I need to go back and watch the original monster movies, though, because like I want to see the original. Invisible oh, like from Man. the '30s. Yeah, original Dracula, original Frankenstein. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like the original Invisible Man was uh, Claude Rains, mm -hmm. who is fantastic in Casablanca. Yeah, he is. Yeah. I actually the list. Wait, I thought you hadn't seen Casablanca. I have seen Casablanca. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, I can't uh, remember the things you haven't seen because it's a really disturbingly long list. I know it is. Um, I want to, I'm sure someone's already done it, but I want to, uh, make a list of every movie mentioned in the opening song of Rocky Horror, uh, late night double feature. Oh and yeah. Have that be my, my Halloween movie list for next year. That's a solid plan. Right. Cause then you can cap the whole thing off with Rocky Horror. Mm -hmm. Cause those are like the cult movies. Yeah. Day the Earth Stood Still, uh, Flash Gordon. Flash. 
Ah. Savior uh, of the universe. Da, da, da. Um, yeah, and it was seen... Blades of Glory. Oh my God. I've never seen Blades of Glory. Really? I've heard it's actually pretty funny. It it is. It's very dumb. I would but also it's so funny. I would also suspect going back to it now, it's gonna be very homophobic. Which we have discussed at length that that was just like the tone of most comedy, most male-centered comedy from the early 2000s. Yeah, and I'm, I'm trying, because the only joke that I remember is um, a guy holding a hot dog bun with two hot dogs in it. He's like, this isn't normal. And I'm like, but that's pretty funny. <laughs> I mean, the whole, from what I remember that movie, the whole concept is rooted in homophobia because like, what if it was two male ice dancers rather than a male female version mm -hmm. yeah yeah and they do like the the, the crotch lift and it's like that's only will, for the will, second show will, will ferrell like grimacing as he's having to hold up john heater by the dick yeah so just because that's a lot of work <laughs> i mean john heater is not a heavy man but that's it's still true. an exhausting effort mm -hmm. uh yeah i i'm probably never gonna go back and rewatch that uh but there's one other just, thing just I, watch the like the the skating parts no i'm good Okay. Good. Because those are pretty fun. Hard pass. Okay. Uh, there's one other thing worth talking about, and it's the Joker. We keep saying we're not going to keep talking about this movie, but I do want to talk about this. So uh, it's obviously still doing really crazy well. It's currently, as of uh, the time I'm reading this article on Saturday here, made $957 million. Oh so it, it will cross the billion dollar mark, undoubtedly. Mm -hmm. Now, what's interesting, it was made on a $62.5 million budget which means that it's currently made 15.3 times its budget. And as we've mentioned before, a movie has to make at least double to be considered profitable because of uh, print and advertising costs. So this movie is crazy, crazy profitable. It is now the most profitable comic book movie ever made. I guess up to this point, it had been actually The Mask, which made $351 million off a $23 million budget. That's, that makes me really happy. It does, because, I mean, we both love that movie. I love The Mask. We gotta revisit that at some point here soon. Mm -hmm. um, but so there's a little more information here. It's the third lowest budget movie to cross $900 million behind Bohemian Rhapsody and The Lion King. And when it crosses a billion dollars, it will be the lowest budgeted movie uh, surpassing Jurassic Park, which up to this point was the lowest budget for crossing the billion-dollar mark. Wow. Which is pretty crazy to think about the fact that Jurassic Park made a billion dollars in 1995. Five? Three. Three? Three. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, but I think what's... what I, I don't necessarily want to talk about the fact that it's been super successful. I want to talk about what we think this will do for the industry. So the optimist in me says that the lesson to be taken away from this is that you can do low-budget IP films and have them be really successful. Mm -hmm. And that maybe this is an avenue to pursue going forward, that not everything has to have a $150 million budget and has to be crazy, crazy big, but that you can go smaller and go more specific. Uh, Deadpool being a great example, obviously. Those both are rated, so they, by their very nature, are less likely to make more money. Mm-hmm. I, that's what I would love to see. Like I would love for them to do like a lower budget, like, you know, a, a buddy cop film with say like blue beetle and booster gold sort of thing. Yeah. Like, exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, again, very niche characters. We've seen before that if the, the tone is done right. And if you're presenting something that we haven't really seen before, if you're giving us a twist on a genre, people will still go see it regardless of how popular the character is. Mm -hmm. I would love to see that done for like a, you know, relatively low budget and, and see what happens with it. Um, 
there's of course a cynical side to it. I feel like that's more where your head that, gravitates. That's my fear. Yeah. So what do you think is going to happen as a result of this? Everything's going to get even more serious. Yep. Somehow, <clears throat> we're going to have even more realism in movies. Um, yeah, and it's it's just going to be a downward spiral of despair and poor decisions from there. Well, because this is the thing that Warner Brothers has been doing for a really long time is really it it pretty much all stems back to The Dark Knight, which we, we've talked about this before, but that the legacy of The Dark Knight, I think, has actually been worse for comic movies than it has been for the mm. better. Oh, I would, for Warner Brothers, I'd extend it even as far back as the first Harry Potter in the really? sense of piggybacking off of ideas. You have the Harry Potter movies coming through and then that is their, they see the golden ticket is uh, teen movies. Where are you going with the argument? Because I'm going off of them taking one idea and then exploding it until it's a bad idea. Yeah, I'm going off. Of, it I'm going better. off of tone. Oh, okay. I was going off. But, okay, of what's, them. You, wait, what's your what other teen movies was Warner Brothers putting out? Hunger Game. No, yeah, Hunger Game. That was Game. Lionsgate. Okay. Um, oh God, what the Twilight wasn't Warner Brothers. No, I know, I know. Um, there's the one Divergent wasn't Warner Brothers. I know, I, don't think. I know. Uh, no, I think that one might have been. No, that that was also Lionsgate. Um, there was the Fifth Wave, uh, which was based off of a teen movie that starred. What's her face from Kickass? Uh, Chloe Grace Moretz. Mm -hmm. The fifth way. Oh, yeah. There was uh, the one that just came out two uh, years ago. But hang on, I would I would put that on the Hunger Games, not on Harry Potter, because I think Harry Potter. Okay, yeah. I, ha I, I think Harry Potter exists as its own really distinct phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And by contrast, the Hunger Games was like the first of that. Percy Jackson. Yeah, that did not go well. But like, Hunger Games is the first really successful young adult dystopian future thing. Okay, and then yeah. out of it came like the Fifth Wave and I Am Number Four. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, I'm number yeah, four. Yeah, number four. The Maze Runner, Divergent. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, you're you're right. Warm Hunger, Bodies. Hunger Games. Like eh, okay. I mean, it's kind of in the same mm -hmm. ilk. But I see what you're saying. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean th that is what's always done. Is they'll take something and then they'll just beat it to death. And I think we're seeing that a little bit with comic book movies in general like all these studios are trying to adapt comic book ip for for better or worse but i i think specifically what's going to happen is that warner brothers can take the wrong the wrong lesson from this yes as they love to do so because i think what's going to end up happening is that this movie's going to do crazy crazy well birds of prey is not going to do very well because mm -hmm. it, it like i'm intrigued by it and i like those characters from the comics but i'm not necessarily super thrilled with the version that we're seeing on screen, although the casting's really good. But that movie just looks like it's got this weird tone. It's, I don't know. It's it's like this weird like garbage bag collage sort of thing going on there. I don't know. Well, it's like they were trying to re-spark the, like, the fan joy that was from the, the first Suicide Squad trailer. Yeah. Uh, but they, like, forgot how to make that movie. I think it doesn't look like a movie of substance and just the tone seems inconsistent and unappealing to me. So I don't think the movie's going to do well. So I think they're going to come out of this going, okay, well now instead of trying to go for something that has a bit of energy to it, at least give the, the birds of prey show credit for being like weird and different. Um, they're going to fall back on this. Like, okay, everything's gonna be super crazy, gritty and realistic, which is the wrong lesson they pulled from the Dark Knight, because then that set the tone for like all their stuff going forward, right? It was like, okay, well, then Man of Steel has to be super dark and gritty, and then it's like, 
they were trying to maintain that tone while also bringing in some of the visual elements of the comics. And I think mm-hmm. that's part of the reason why all the DCEU stuff is a total fucking mess. Yeah. I mean, you can also bring in, you know, 300 and Watchmen. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah. But, but 300 and Watchmen are accurate tonal adaptations. Watchmen may be a little more of a mixed bag. Like 300 is just that comic on screen. Have yeah. You, have you ever read 300? Uh, no. I mean, it, it's, it's slight. There's not much to it, but it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fair to say of the movie as well. Yeah, the movie's so much fun. Yeah. I mean, just as many abs, not as many penises, but, you know, nothing can be perfect. Do you think that's what's, like, sparked the CrossFit culture was 300? Because I, I mean, never th- heard there of it. Was, there was this Spartan workout. Yeah. Yeah, because I went, I went to a gym called 300 Fit. Yeah. Fully based around the workout they did with the 300 guys. I think that maybe helped, but I, I'm trying to think if there's another place. Like like another... What what sparked the boom of the like those kinds of workouts? Do you think? I don't. As people that that don't work out a lot, you go to the boxing gym every single day. Yeah, I mean, I used to work out every single day. Mm-hmm. It's, it's. I mean, it's people who don't do like that circuit training stuff. Yeah, but I, I mean, I'm not a good person to ask because I, I cannot do fitness classes. You can do I, it with one arm. What? You can use this arm. For what? The fitness class. It's not. Because, oh, it's not because of your elbow? Well, okay. I have a bad elbow for pretty much everyone because they don't know that whole story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but no, I mean, yeah, I don't. Uh, tennis elbow? Right? That's, yeah, horrible. Real yeah. nasty tennis accident. Um, no, like, I don't like fitness classes. I could have gone to Wimbledon. <laughs> I could have been a contender. <laughs> Uh, I don't like fitness classes cause I don't like someone telling me what to do. Oh, that's right. Like I don't, yeah, there's a self-conscious element, which is like, there's some exercise I can't do because of my bad elbow. But the other part of it is like, I just don't like being environment. It's like, okay, now we're all right, guys, we're going to go off to the next thing. It's be super crazy. Like I can't stand that really like fake pump up energy. Uh, you've never done a soul cycle class. Like, wait, I, I've done one soul cycle class. Okay. I hated it <laughs> i hated it because my friend andrew andrew i love you i don't think you're even listening but i do love you but he made me sit in the front row oh yeah for my first That's class the worst and he goes like almost every single day so he knows everyone there he's super close to everyone he knew the guy teaching the class and so i then became the person in the front row who didn't know what they were doing so i became the example of which he's like all right you gotta like lean forward and like put your shoulders back and do these other things i'm just like don't touch me don't talk to me i know i'm not doing this right i don't fucking care this needs to end now. I hate, mm-hmm. hate being told what to do. Like personal training, fine. One-on-one, great. In a class environment, I cannot stand it. It's like where, where, oh, it's when you and I were at Disneyland for, for Blackout Bingo. We were walking along Main Street. There was that group of people doing like, I don't know, like their summer camp chant or whatever right next to us. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? That triggers this very specific thing that I just cannot fucking stand, which is like, the the forced chipper participatory mentality. I was like, do you have like repressed camp memories? I didn't really do camp. Like, I could not do this. Sort Obviously, of, I can tell. I could not do this sort of shit as a kid. My mom took me to like soccer. I was like, I can't do this. I cannot do any sort of like team sort of things. I'm very much. I like to do things on my own, my way. So I became a tennis player. Exactly. It all got ruined. Uh, don't drive off cliffs, kids. Um, especially with the tennis racket. Especially the tennis racket in your hand. But uh, where are we going with this? Oh, CrossFit. I don't know where I started oh, from. Yeah. I just, I, I've done a couple, I think I've done like one CrossFit thing and some other fitness stuff. I just can't do it. I, mm-hmm. I hate fitness groups. I did CrossFit for like a year. It, was, it wasn't bad. Yeah. I mean, the boxing thing works super well for you. Yeah, boxing's great. Yeah. I, that, I think I would be willing to try. I'll mm-hmm. like, check out. But that, that's, 
me just living my anime fantasy. I'm just going to stop you there before we, <laughs> we dive too far into that. Segue. Back in 1988. <laughs> you weren't even born. I know. There was, a, there was a manga that came out called Hajime no Ipo. All right. We're good. Uh, yeah. All right. Shall we move on to... Hey, Cameron, Static Shock. Static. Oh, oh my... Wait a minute. Hang on. I've just realized the glory. The best part about yeah, being the Static Shock era is when you start going off on tangents, I'll just have to say the word Static Shock and you'll want to go there. I know. Especially with <laughs> these episodes. I didn't realize... So last week I teed up the the dumb thing that was yeah that was the, hit we're, by we're, i didn't realize it was this uh, episode we were gonna see it should we wait for the siren to go no nah. as i said that it went away okay i'm too excited uh yeah because you you teed up that other i thought th we had like like a month or so until we we're gonna get to this episode straight into it no uh yeah the the other weird <laughs> things that are affected by uh, the Big Bang, but we're not quite there yet. Because first we have uh, episode three, The Breed. The Breed. So this is referring to, what is what exactly is The Breed in this? I, I assume it's, uh, so we meet Ebon. Um, yeah. So like who's the, fucking awesome. He, he is great. So basically the, the idea, the whole plot of this episode essentially is that there's a super popular kid, Derek, who's like star athlete. Everyone loves him. The girls are swimming over him. And he was affected by the Big Bang, and now he's turning this like weird energy blob thing. Mm -hmm. And he's recruited by uh, Ebon's metahuman gang. Yeah. So in his speech to Virgil, he says like, "We're a new breed. Mm. We are. We're the next evolution." That's right. Mm -hmm. um, did the weird monster thing that Derek turns into remind you of that orange electric monster from like season two of Scooby Doo? Yes, I okay. was going to bring it up. Mike, this is definitely copied from Scooby-Doo. Absolutely, That's yes. exactly what it looks like. I mean, it, it kind of looks like that, or it kind of looks like um, uh, the Molten Man from the Terrific Trio episode of Batman Beyond, but instead of looking like lava, he just looks like a, a, a white amorphous Oh, don't worry. There lava. is a Molten Man coming soon. Cannot wait. Uh, there's, a, there's a villain in Teen Titans, which I think is after this uh, at this point. Yeah, because Teen Titans yeah, starts in 2003. Um, it's a guy, it's an energy being uh, who's, whose face is in like a, was like a floppy drive. Oh, I think I Reminds remember me of that a lot I think too. I remember that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it's a generic, it's a very generic or looking. Or Elmer Sklue from Powerpuff Girls. <laughs> My favorite character name ever. Elmer Sklue. A Elmer Space Sklue. Oh, Elmer's Sklue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I figured that out because as I typed Elmer Sklue, it just automatically changed it to Elmer School, and then it just is a ton of glue. Yeah. Uh, yeah Isn't he the, like a sticky thing? He, yeah, he's a kid mate. He, it's, a, it's a kid in their kindergarten class who eats radioactive glue and turns into a glue monster. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, I still can't get an image of this guy. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Um uh yeah his his design didn't feel super original no but that's fine because we got to meet the other reoccurring metas of yeah. the series we met we met ebon who's great we met talon who's awesome and has an amazing story coming soon <coughs> yes that's the one yeah um and we met shiv uh who i didn't realize why i enjoyed him so much back in the day but he's just an evil green lantern uh, yeah he's like uh, Evil Green Lantern crossed with Gambit. Yeah. A little bit. So, and because I, I was complaining last week about how the their application of powers in the show makes no sense. 
Anyways, oh, his is the most. It, it, <laughs> it and it's really sense. true, and that and that holds through in the episodes today as well. But I will say this: they they don't really care about the logic of the powers, but I think they're really good about making them feel clever in their portrayal. Right? Yeah. It's like Ebon is this this shadow creature, like. Um, yeah, master of shadow and darkness. Is how yeah, so in my like in my like head canon, maybe he's tapped into the same like shadow universe that uh, Shade, the mm-hmm. Just League villain, is. Yep, um, where he can basically be both fully realized as a person, but also like become a shadow, and he can transport through shadow dimensions, and transport through walls, and like grab people and draw them into the shadow universe and drop them off places, and. That is a cool power set, and it becomes a really good oh, shorthand yeah. for being able to, like, to jump from place to place and to be like really sneaky and, and secretive and a good foil for, for Static, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he, he's, you know, Static is the light. He's yeah. the darkness to his light. Yeah, I thought that was really clever. And I think yeah, Talon's got a really cool look as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, she does just sort of look like a rooster in purple pants. Well, she has a great line that I wrote down um, about why the like that's the group that's hiding uh oh she, she says something about the fact that you look normal still but the rest of us don't yeah just because oh uh just because the gas didn't mess up your face doesn't mean you aren't a freak too yeah well yeah th- and this plays off of you know a really common element from the x-men comics and then a little bit in the the cartoon adaptations which mm-hmm. is like the, oh yeah the, definitely the, the first season of evolution this yeah is a huge the, yeah, like the surface street level mutants who can walk around and you know the difference versus the, like the Morlocks specifically mm-hmm. or like I know for Nightcrawler that's a big thing too. He has the the hologram projector. Yeah, Spike turns into a big thing for yeah. him in Evolution. Yeah. Uh, and then what I love about this episode is we see how smart Ebon is. Like he knows yeah. exactly what to say to Derek to keep him down there. Because uh, I wrote down he, he had a great quote too. Um, oh God, what is it? I wrote down too many notes. Uh, all you were good for up there was running around a track, and they're even going to take that away from you. Down here, you can show them who you really are. Yeah. And I'm like, that's like, that hits right to his heart. Like, he was a kid. He was an incredibly talented kid who wasn't very smart, Derek. Um, and, you know, he was about to lose everything because yeah. he, you know, didn't get good grades. We, we saw that being a big contender with his mom of how his mom was blaming herself yeah, because they had a big fight about his grades. It's like that was such a sensitive topic for him. And Ebon hit right at that. Well, and I think it goes to show how good the writing is on this. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, obviously it's, it's all a heightened universe. We're talking like superpowers and stuff like that. But ultimately what this comes down to is like that sort of pressure that teenagers feel that you have to be everything all the time. And it's like, well, if you... You know, if you are the star athlete, but you're not good at the academic side of things, your only route is athleticism. The only mm-hmm. route is sports. And like, what do you do if you can't do that anymore? Well, even I, I see it as more of like the fake family of like, oh, they're yeah. only friends with you because you run fast. Yeah. We're here for you. Like we will all like we are your family down here. Yeah. And so you can trust us. You can, you know, we'll steal money together, but we're not going to rat you out. We'll, you know, we're going to back you up. They would never do that. Yeah, so you've got to stick with us because we're real. It's the it's the the yearning to belong mm-hmm. that I think you know when you're the age and you're trying to figure out identity, you will gravitate towards anything that makes you feel welcome. And I mean, this show, I think I don't know, we even saw it last week, is oftentimes a metaphor for for gangs and for gang violence. And you know, this is a really great way to approach that same kind of idea, which is that the people who 
accept you and make you feel fulfilled might actually be problematic for you in the long run. And it's really smart. And again, it's not, it's, it's speaking very truthfully to, you know, kids of a certain age watching this whatever, without ever talking down to them, which is really, yeah. really good. And, you know, it's just the, the visualizations of it too are really great. Like Ebon is a really cool looking character. Mm -hmm. Oh man. He is so smooth. They, I realized, uh, I, I forgot how good this show is with like, uh, liquid animation. Oh, okay. Like we see that a lot with Ebon, how he has that like swirl portal, which yeah. always looks so good. And the next episode, we're going to get really into like the fluid dynamics of animation. And oh, how they're the, just oh, yeah, yeah. With the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that might be, I think we've already hit the worst episode. Quite possibly. But even then, it, it's still kind of fun. I, I will yeah. have a mm -hmm. lot to say about that exact thing. Um, so Yeah, they're so good at just this like, and then soon we're going to meet Rubber Band Man, who's the same kind of just like very obviously rubbery this yeah. kind of just blob of a character mm -hmm. and they're so good at like the transitions between the blob and the and the human and oh man the show the animation on the show <clears throat> is so much better than Seda. <laughs> it it no it it abs it is and you know it's still it it doesn't feel as polished to me as the better episodes of Betos. Yeah. There's a lot of really well, I, bad yeah, I still animation. think the peak animation was New Batman. I would agree with that, yeah. Like that was like really, really well animated. Um, you know, some parts of Batman Beyond too. But you know, I think for for what they were going for here, they're really successful at it. And it's 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 bright and colorful and and fluid, mm -hmm. um, but it never feels cheaply made. It almost feels like this is because I, I watched a couple of videos about this this, this week. This feels like like an early, early prototype of uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's very like the, there, there's kind of like an edge to everything while being fluid. Everything kind of has like a point or a corner. Mm -hmm. uh, and then with the, the bright, bright colors. Sorry, I'm super distracted by whatever truck is beeping. That's fine. That, that was all my it's points the, to It's it. the noisiest street today. It is. <laughs> It's also somehow incredibly hot in the middle of November. Yeah, it's 90 degrees today. In, in LA, so we have to have a little bit of air flowing through here. Um, I also like that we, we're we getting little introductions of new elements. So uh, Richie builds for Static the, uh, yes. the Static Saucer, mm -hmm. which is really cool. I, I forgot the names of everything. But yeah, I think throughout this first season, it's going to be like the, hey, guess what I made? Because we get that in the next episode as well. Yeah. I, I like that, though. It, it gives it this sense of... Um, building continuity mm -hmm. and you know we were a, a little critical of the the first episode of the series all of a sudden he like now knows perfectly how to use his powers and he has the costume that came out of nowhere and that sort of like immediate jump off point just so we can get things rolling but i feel like now the opposite is happening which they're slowly doling out small escalations evolutions in this world so introducing more reoccurring characters giving them the saucer um, we'll see more of that happen in the next few episodes yeah. as well. So I I'm like trying to that. think what else because they, they have the hideout is coming up soon. He has the glasses that come up soon. Yeah, um, but I I like that they have that idea, right? Yeah, that's something that even even Batman never really did. It's sort of like we we never had an intro into the Batman universe. It just existed and it continues to exist, mm -hmm. and he would just or pull even out with gadgets. He always had all the gadgets. He never yeah. had to make anything. Yeah, so it's it's cool to see how two teenagers are figuring out how to be superheroes in this world without the resources that every other character we've seen so far has. Mm -hmm. It's really good. Yeah. And, and on that same point, we still continue to see Virgil like kind of 
uh, not fully being a hero. He is a full on hero, but you know, he is, is not the strongest yet. Mm -hmm. He, he's kind of cocky about everything. He leaps before he looks. Yeah. Right. He's, he's so compelled to be a hero that he will jump into a situation not really knowing what to do and have to rely on like his wit to get through it mm -hmm. and his, his smarts. And it, it, it works pretty well, but it's, I think part of what makes that character so endearing is his earnestness. Like he really, really wants to do this um, and is really determined to be successful at it. And I also kind of like that this character, unlike pretty much every other hero we've come across so far, isn't really motivated by a tragedy. Right. Yeah. He, he's doing this to kind of show everyone that there's a better way to do this. Yeah. Like he, his, his, I mean, his tragedy was his mom dying years and years and years ago. Yeah. But that's not affecting his heroism. He's doing this because it kind of just needs to be done. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that the, the tragedy of his mom's passing defines his heroic journey in the same yeah. way that uh, it does for Batman or for Terry or for Spider-Man, who's obviously a version that every other character we're talking about is inspired by in a lot of ways. And that's nice. That sort of positive energy feeds into the tone of the show really well. Yeah. And, you know, this reminds me, because seeing this, <clears throat> I didn't realize how, I don't know if, if this was the template or if all the shows just kind of had the same idea at the same time, but uh, this is the same setup for, like, Danny Phantom. Uh, yeah. The exact same way of, like, he's get his, he gets his gadgets through the next couple episodes. He kind of just jumps into being a hero. Kim Possible is the same way. Uh, kids next, because eh, that that's less of the same style. Uh, but like you know, I, I think this and Danny Phantom are incredibly similar in how they set up their hero, their villains, uh, and their side characters. They do such a great job with all of that. Yeah, I think that's where the root is ultimately lies. And I I have a note here, something I want to talk about. Can we just mention real quickly how Jason Marsden is like the unsung hero of this show? Oh, he's so good. And, and that is not in any sort of way to slight Philomar, who is like carrying the show on his back and, and doing an amazing job. He brings all that humanity and charm to Virgil that makes this series so successful. Mm -hmm. But having Richie around... Richie is so good. And he, he gets to have kind of the more fun role, right? Because he doesn't have to carry the dramatic weight in the same way. He gets to just be like the quipster mm -hmm. along the way. And he has this, this fantastic, just dr not, it's, it's dry but upbeat humor all the yeah. way through it and well it was also great is how i think i mentioned this last week how much of a time capsule this show is yeah of how they talk the slang they use but i i think what makes it still work well now is that the the chemistry between those two is really really good oh it's it's so authentic yeah and timeless and i think that's something that isn't discussed a lot is how important chemistry is an animation mm -hmm. and you think about how hard that can be to do because it's such a different environment it's not like you're on a you're not on a stage you're not what the fuck is happening around our building right they're now? just as excited to talk about static oh my god we got screaming children dogs barking sirens wailing are we in dakota city yeah we're going for that real authentic Tone here on this show. Tim Talk brought to you straight from Dakota City, live uh, from Dakota City. My God. But I think what, what I was trying to get at is chemistry and animation can be really hard to nail down, like really, really hard mm -hmm. because you, 
the, it's such a more passive connection between the two. And I don't know if when they filmed this, they were doing recording sessions all simultaneously or not. Um, either way, it really carries it. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Yeah, they're great. Uh, uh, I do have my... Uh, okay, I was going to ask. You have your... Uh, your my, qu- my quip of the episode. What was your quip of the episode? Uh, Virgil talking to Derek saying, I've got more lives than Madonna has hairstyles. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm glad you wrote that down because uh, along with your quips, I'm trying to find my favorite pop culture references mm-hmm. in every episode. Uh, there's another one that I wrote down. Uh, even Ripley wouldn't believe this. That's what I have written down as well. <laughs> yeah, because we have references to uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not, to Sammy Sosa, to Tarzan, Lois Lane, and of course Madonna. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think you hit it. Our, this our, show is great. <laughs> yeah, our, our quip of the week and our pop culture reference of the week overlap on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and so so the the end of the episode ends with such a light note too, of Derek meeting up with his mom again. His mom, like, fully accepting him, which is also great. Yeah. Uh, and he is kind of giving himself to the meta research facility. Yeah, he's letting them run tests so they can give a better understanding of yeah. how the Big Bang affected everyone. And if I remember correctly, we won't see Derek again until the season finale. Oh, interesting. Series finale. Okay. All right, but I'm glad they find a way to bring him back, though. Yeah. That's cool. Um, I also love that this was the first episode with Static's uh, full oh, char- oh, charge-up sequence that I think is now don't basically... Don't worry, is you're going to see it at least every once. single episode. In, uh, yes, I, I wrote that forward. down. I'm yeah. like, get ready. Uh, all right, well, should we move along to uh, Grounded? Grounded. Okay, so this is what you were referencing. Uh, well, well, first we meet my favorite villain. Oh, what, what's his... I wrote down Armadillo Boy. What's his actual name? Carmen Dillo. Fantastic. Yeah. So he's coming back, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, because I kind of thought that, because you had made reference last week to other things getting affected by the gas. And so when we got to this episode, I'm like, oh, is this what he's referencing? Like this armadillo man. Um, and I thought the whole no, episode was going to be about him. And then it's not. He's just in like the, the opening. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we move on to the, the primary plot. Yeah. No, so I mentioned last week that Ebon had like a rat boy in his group. I was wrong. It's Carmandillo. It's the armadillo. Yeah, so Carmandillo joins Ebon in like season two, I think. Okay. Yeah, because this episode is kind of going for a uh, like a '50s sci-fi B movie. So this is thing. this was the Halloween episode. Oh, it was. It's mm-hmm. a weird choice for Halloween episode. Yeah, yeah, because I remember I remember the commercials for this because it was this had a Halloween episode. It was the uh, Jackie Chan Halloween episode and the Mucha Lupa Mucha Lucha Halloween episode. We're all back to back to back this, this I, week. I do love when they do their seasonal holiday episodes. Mm-hmm. It, mostly because of yeah the promos around it. So it's they're like, so good. This week on Kids WB. Ooh. Yeah. There's like all these pumpkins everywhere and mm-hmm. pulling random clips apropos of nothing else and trying to make them look all spookified by putting a filter over them. Yeah. It was amazing. Uh, Jackie Chan had maybe the best Halloween episodes of any show. Minus Boy Meets World. Okay. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. What, what was... I don't remember the Halloween episodes of Jackie Chan. The, the one that I remember the best is uh, in season four when they're dealing with the masks. Um, they uh, Paco is upset that he doesn't have a good Halloween costume. So he accidentally puts on one of the um, kabuki masks mm-hmm. uh, and it turns him into a, a Japanese demon that and they all have to, to fight and beat. And it's so good. It's so fantastic. It's so good. Uh, Man, welcome to Chan Talk. Oh, we should, I kind of want to do that at some point, to be mm-hmm. perfectly honest. But uh, no, so this episode, uh, we discovered that the Big Bang mutated some bacteria into yep. this like weird, crazy, giant metamicrobe uh, that's now going around terrorizing the city. And then there's a whole subplot about how Frida's journalism budget is getting cut by the school. And the plots, of course, overlap with 
Virgil and Richie going to the science lab to try and test out this microbe thing, and Frida being there late to run her own rogue, unauthorized, printing unofficial press. print edition where she's calling out the school for cutting her budget, mm-hmm. which I thought was just absolutely fantastic. Which is like, is that the school trope of, of like the early 2000s? Cameron... I don't think everything has to have a trope of an era. No, but there's definitely like, I mean, maybe not an era, but I, I, there's multiple occasions of like some facet of the school being upset because their budget was cut, but the sports budget was up by like $6 million. I need three. Uh, Lemonade Mouth. This. Lemonade Mouth? Lemonade Mouth, yes. From? Disney Channel. That was a show called Lemonade? Movie. It was a movie about that plot. It's the the uh, they the school just had a brand deal with their version of Gatorade and all the money went to building a new uh, football stadium. But while all that's going on, every elective is subjected to work in the basement, some of which don't even have rooms. They're just in the hallways. And so this band comes because also the detention is in. Uh, the music room, which has a leaky faucet above it. And so it's dripping, and so they're cleaning up the room. And they find out the five people in detention are great singers. So they form a band called Lemonade Mouth, and they do it to raise money for all the other electives and say, fuck the school for giving all the money to the sports team. Yeah, what you just described is the most Disney Channel thing I've ever heard <laughs> in my entire life. Yep. All right, fine. I'll just give it to you. That's a plot point, <clears throat> a trope of the era. Um <laughs> I mean, yeah, it does pop up in a lot of places. Like, oh, like, it's always the athletes that get the money and none of the arts, which is also a real thing. Oh, abs- yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else happens in here? Oh, we get the introduction of the shock box. Yes, Again, shock box about, are like, great. World building, so some walkie-talkies um, between the two of them. What I think is interesting is these these two episodes really play up the fact that, like, Richie is the super smart one and the inventor. Mm-hmm. But subsequent episodes that are coming up start to play up Virgil's intelligence really well. I mean, they're, they're both, uh, I mean the last episode he went to Virgil for tutoring. Yeah. So we know Virgil is smart, but yeah, we, like we mentioned last week, he's not like Peter Parker smart. Yeah. But uh, he, he's not the kid genius. But what I like is that, but they, you know, he's, he gets A's. Yeah. But well, yeah. What I like is that, um, they're not falling into the thing of like, Virgil being the dumb one and relying on the smart sidekick. Like they're both smart. They're both intelligent. They mm-hmm. both and it only have gets, specific skill sets. Yeah. It only it only grows as Richie uh comes into his power. Yeah. Cause uh in season three, we know Richie becomes a gear, uh, where he just has super intelligence. Yeah. Uh and makes the coolest gadgets. He does. He makes some really cool stuff. Um, yeah, so I like that they, like, again, they're kind of continuing mm-hmm. to build up that world a little bit. But also bit. the stuff that Richie makes, it's very rudimentary. Like, the stuff they're making isn't fancy, ga- they're not making web shooters or anything like that. He made a walkie-talkie. He made a walkie-talkie. And then he made a... Collapsing a, metal disc. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I like that they are kind of inventing their own stuff and they're adding those little elements along the way. Um, I love that ultimately the giant microbe is defeated by cleaning chemicals. Yes. Because it's a bacteria. So I guess it would just be killed by antibacterial stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a PSA for washing your hands. It always is. What this reminded me of, weirdly enough, was Scarface. Explain. Not the Al Pacino movie Scarface. Okay. Got but it. the fact that the Beatos writers relished in the opportunity to just mercilessly yes. destroy Scarface because he was the only inanimate villain they had. Mm-hmm. 
And I feel like here, technically, because it's a, a bacteria, even though it has motivations like revenge and it can sneak up on people and like split up into multiple parts to follow things around. Well, it, it was just, it just wanted like food. Yeah, but it, they definitely play it up like it's this sort of like sneaky. Yeah. Oh, when it when it stalker through the like the shower head. Yeah. Oh, I that's hate a, that. It's a good scene. I still hate that. I remember that like terrifying me yeah. as a child. But they they I still hate it. They treat this this meta microbe almost like it's a slasher stalker villain at yes, times. Absolutely. But that being said, because it's technically non sentient, despite it's oftentimes very sentient like we behavior. can destroy it we can destroy it and so it's destroyed by virgil smashing two drums of uh, antibacterial like soap over it and it's raining down and dissolving this thing into a puddle it but even with that it wasn't as gruesome because you remember the uh btos up no new batman episode where poison ivy makes the plant companions yeah that was re- yeah and you you saw the guy melt like, yeah. I think that was kind of the peak of the gruesome. Yeah, because, like, they're plant people, but they they still are essentially characters. Like, they're yeah. real characters, but because they're not human, they're allowed to, like, be destroyed in a really mm-hmm. grotesque way. Yeah. Yeah, this is kind of, like, a, a much more passive way of doing that. Um, but you, you were talking about um, before the fact that this is a dumb idea for an episode in a lot of ways, but I still found it really entertaining. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, this... It's, it's, I think we're in a really interesting position coming straight off of Zeta into this. And I don't want the to... The bar this, is so low. <laughs> well, I mean, look, I don't want to do this as an opportunity to, like, kick Zeta. We, we've done that, I think, more than it necessarily even deserved. But I think it's interesting juxtaposition because I think the intent was very similar behind these two shows. Mm-hmm. In terms of targeting a preteen audience, um, you know, have it being big and bright and colorful... But just for whatever reason, the execution wasn't quite there. And I think a lot of the Zeta episodes just weren't entertaining. They weren't fun. But this is. Yeah. And I think the reason this is fun is even though it's a dumb villain, again, it really falls down to the characters are really good and the chemistry is good between them. And I think the sense of humor plays a little bit better. Yeah. Here. And I think they, uh, going back to like Batman Beyond, I think they balance school pretty well in this. Yeah. Like they're still in school. Like they're what they're doing is never getting in the way of school. Yeah. Like for Virgil and Richie, that kind of comes first. Actually, now that you mention it, that is an obvious similarity between Batman Beyond and this is that uh, the background supporting characters, the the students in the school are the perfect place to draw B-plots from. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that Zeta didn't have. You really essentially only had two characters, one of whom was literally a robot. So there's yes. not a lot you can do with that. So I think that's been part of the reason that show struggled is they didn't have opportunities built into the world to draw a story out. Whereas here they do. It's just like, well, we needed a, a B-plot this week. All right. Frida. Yeah, Frida. What's she up to? What are the other students doing <clears throat> in the background? Yeah, because already the background characters we have, we, I mean... uh we have his dad, we have his sister, we have Frida, we have Richie. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get recurring villains. Yeah. Uh, we're about to get Rubber Band Man, Ebon, Hot Streak. Like in, in four episodes, we already have seven reoccurring characters. Yeah. Which that makes it feel much more like Beatos. Yeah, regards. not even including, you know, and we could we can throw in Talon and Shiv in that too, because they're gonna come back pretty yeah. often. And Carmen Dillo. Good old, good old so that's Carmen ten. Dillo. In four episodes, we have ten side characters. Yeah. 
it, this show does a really good job with world building. And I think because mm-hmm. world building is mostly rooted in those characters, they're mostly pretty positive. They're, they're good. They're, yeah. It really does work. Like I, like I said, I really enjoyed watching this. Me too. Even though it's so dumb. It's such a, and I, I don't know why I never made this comparison, but going back to what I said before, this is the exact, like Danny Phantom is the exact same setup as the show. Yeah. To where like, I want to talk to Butch Hartman about maybe copying too many things. Or, you know, maybe the more positive angle is what were some of his inspirations? Yes. <laughs> being overly inspired by the show. But you know, like, I mean, not that there's an opportunity for this, but this is the sort of thing that were this episode on TV, like I'd just sit and watch it. Yeah. I, I remember watching this episode multiple times. Yeah. And just remembering how dumb it is. It's dumb, but I, I had a lot of fun with it. Cause I, I, for some reason I remember the janitor being more of a red herring, but I guess he wasn't. Yeah. I think you and I just want to find red herrings everywhere. Yeah. I think mostly cause we just want an excuse to talk about the great character, red herring from mm-hmm. a pup named Scooby-Doo. Exactly. Red herring. <laughs> Why? Can we, what are you guys doing here? Can we just just declare that is the greatest recurring gag like the greatest in a, in meta a cartoon, bit ever, yeah. the greatest meta recurring gag ever? Like, I don't know who came up with that in the writers from a pup named Scooby Doo, but that bit is so that bit is so good it makes the existence of that show like necessary in the world. Yes, and in and in pop culture. Yeah, because otherwise, like, a puppy from Scooby-Doo is fun, but it's nowhere near as good as original Scooby-Doo. But mm-hmm. just for red herring, it, it holds up in that way. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, any other thoughts on Grounded? Or should we, uh, should um, we, we mosey along here? I think we can mosey. Let me pull up my notes one more time. Uh, oh, yeah, so, uh, so what I was trying to say before, because I forgot I put the note in this episode... Uh, the great thing about Static is every fight feels like he's actually struggling. We see him get tired. We see him get hurt. Uh, we, we, uh, this is the second time we've seen him blow out his power. Oh, yeah. And I think that's such an interesting concept. We're like, Batman never ran out of gadgets. Superman never ran out of sunlight, all except for the episodes when he literally did. Yeah. But it wasn't like that was specific circumstances. It wasn't like it was a, a possibility every time he went out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so with Static, we can see, like, he is capable of doing these huge things, but now he has to kind of keep in his head of, like, I will be, pa- if this doesn't work, I will be powerless. Yeah. And we saw that exact thing happen in this episode. Which is great. I think it's a fantastic mm-hmm. idea. Oh, no, not in this one. It's the next one. We'll talk about it soon. Yeah, <laughs> but there is an element that exists with that character that he does have limitations. Yeah. Which just makes him more relatable and interesting. Mm-hmm. Like... Obviously, I think Betos is still like the best of all of this universe. But Batman, although brilliantly portrayed, is not often the most interesting character. It was always in the villains. And I think that's one of the big differences here is that the show hangs on the main character being really interesting. Mm-hmm. But also having awesome villains. And having really good villains. Yeah, he has yeah. Really, like for all. I mean, I guess maybe some of them came from the comics. I've never read it in a static comics. But uh, Ebon, because I, I did check this. Ebon is original mm-hmm. and Hot Streak is from the comics. Okay. But, you know. I don't know about the Metamicro. Carmandillo or the Metamicro, but <laughs> yeah. I think that might be an original concept here. But, you know, Batman also had the advantage of pulling from a rogues gallery that has existed in pop culture for Oh, it was for, for 70 de- years at that for point. For decades, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's either you watch the 60s show as a kid or you watch the 70s Super Friends, or you had just seen Batman in theaters, mm-hmm. or 
were super excited for Batman Returns, so you already knew all these characters. Yeah. They already exist in the zeitgeist, so it's a little bit easier. Like, you already have favor with your audience going into it. it was You had to build that here, and mm-hmm. I think they do a stellar job yeah. with it. And I, I think this show is already setting, setting them up better than Beyond tried to set up their villains. Yeah, because that's, that's something we always were a little critical of on Beyond, mm-hmm. is that I think the villains, for the most part, were a little bit lacking. Because they were great. They... I, I think it's because they don't, they never had a connection to Terry. Yeah. Where like the BTOS villains, they almost always had some connection to, to the Wayne, to Wayne industries Yeah, or something dealing with, you know, Bruce, uh, with this, they're all the, all the metas are Virgil's age. Yeah. So, you know, he knew some of them before, uh, we're going to get into like the, the gang that we met in the in the first episode. We're going to get into those guys coming back. Mm-hmm. Like everyone kind of already knows each other. Yeah. Where with, uh, beyond, uh, they weren't really connected to Bruce or to Terry. They were kind of just there. It's like ink is a great villain, but it has, you know, the only reason Batman's fighting her is because he has to. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think we'll, We'll get more into it. Uh, I mean, next. Spellbinder did great because Spellbinder, Spellbinder yeah, yeah. that was part of the school. Uh, and we'll get a little bit more into, I think, how they approach the villains in next week's episode because little peek behind the curtains, we're doing double dose here. So I think you and I are sometimes getting yeah, we're, we're getting episodes. Our episodes. We, have, yeah, we already watched episodes where we talked about technically next week, um, but yeah, in next week's episodes we'll get into it a little bit more as mm-hmm. to like how they approach the villains. I think they do a really good job with. Um, shall we get into some uh, notes from friends? Let's do it. All right. Uh, so uh, follow up from I'm now have the proper pronunciation. It's a uh, Ranky Customs on Instagram. Yes. Who was joining me in uh, attacking you with some puns mm-hmm. when I walked out last week? Exactly when he made you uh, walk out. So not only did he give us the the proper pronunciation, um, but he says that he's uh, happy to help me in terms of bombarding you with puns, weaponizing, and that puns. he thought your reaction was priceless. So he's gonna have to do it more. No, please don't. Uh, yeah, which is fantastic. Uh, but also I want to give you some compliments, Cameron. We got a lot of comments about the art you did for static. People really, really love the static art. Thank you. Um, yeah, it it, honestly, like, I think it's one of my favorites you've ever done. It's really, really spectacular. Um, but of course, Maddie was listening last week and was, uh, you know, throwing in some notes here. And uh, he did want to point out that we were giving all of the credit to the multiverse, to Spider-Verse and the CW, and we completely forgot to mention Jet Li's The One. I don't think you ever saw that one. You never saw that one? I don't think so. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was early 2000s action movie starring Jet Li. I, I remember, I remember I was, The One. I think, it wasn't Jason Statham, it was somebody else. But yeah, the idea is that uh, there's like an evil version of Jet Li that's going around killing all the other versions throughout the multiverse because then he gets stronger with every version that he kills. Amazing. So eventually gets down to the end. It's just the two of them left and they're obviously, they're super, super powerful. That's pretty good. I had kind of forgot about that one. So super glad that, uh, Maddie brought it up. Um, uh, also apparently you are misremembering a lot of things about static. I don't think so. Uh, I think everyone else is. Uh, so there is no Trixie. Sorry, it was Daisy. Yes. Yes. Yes, it is in fact Daisy. Because we, we will meet her we'll next week. We'll be meeting her. Uh, who is best girl. Very, very shortly. And uh, also apparently. Trixie is from, uh, well, mainly from, she, she's the love interest from Speed Racer. Yes. And uh, the the anti-love interest from uh, Fairly Odd Parents. Well, there we go. 
Oh, that's right. Trixie yeah, Tang. Trixie, Trixie Tang. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, apparently Ebon and Wade are not the same character. Yes, that that also that is. I, yes. I realized that when I saw him this episode. Exactly. So what what is it you call it? It's Cameron's. Cameron's course corrections. Correct. Cameron's course corrections. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you didn't do them yourself, so I had to point them out to you. Yes. No. Thank you. I I, I forgot that I mentioned that last week. Yes, Ebon yeah. and Wade are different people. Uh, I don't think we ever learn Wade or uh, Ebon's real name. We, we will see him without his powers uh, one or two times. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, and then the one last thing was um, Manda on Twitter just said that she was super happy that we were done talking about Zeta. As am I. As am I. No, very, very happy to be uh, getting into the static space. So, but uh, no, thank you everyone for writing in. Thank so, you guys. All right. And then should we get into some plugs here? Uh, sure. All right, you want to start us off? Uh, yeah, I, I have a I have a weird one this week. It's mainly a plug for for you. Okay. Um, the the YouTube channel Sideways, which I've plugged mm-hmm. once or twice before, they recently put out this great video on why How to Train Your Dragon has the best um, theme song. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, and it's it's really interesting because uh something Powell, what's his first name? John Powell. John Powell. It was his first major score. It may, uh, it may have been. I, he al- he also did um, the Bourne films, but I don't think he did Bourne Identity. I think he was brought on board when Paul Greengrass took over directing on the Bourne Supremacy. I'd have looked that up. Okay. Well, uh, he, he uh, first off, uh, Powell has a YouTube channel. Oh, he does? Where he just posts all of his uh, compositions. Yeah. That's right. Okay, yeah. Uh, so you can see like how he lays out everything. Oh, that's it's super, super cool. fascinating. I gotta watch that. Yeah. yeah, he only has like five thousand followers. No one watches them. They're super cool. Well, it's very niche, but yeah, it's, it's, it's very it's a niche. niche in a way that you and I both appreciate. Yeah, I, I watched one. I'm like, I don't understand anything. Yeah, I don't like. That's the thing is, I have no knowledge of music. I have no musical talent. I just love film scores. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love them so much. Uh, but basically, Sideways was talking about <clears throat> how the theme song introduces every character in in the music but also when it introduces um toothless and um hiccup Hiccup, they both have separate scores but when they're laid on top of each other that is that's a whole nother song that plays and that's their flying song Yeah, so every character's song works with someone else's song yeah and that's uh works someone else's theme and that is an entirely new song that is made later in the That's played later in the movie. Fucking brilliant! Yeah, and oh it's like here, like hearing the song again when he was when they were playing it in the video. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, they all layer on top of each other. Those are good pulls, actually. I gotta bring in the um, How to Train Your Dragon scores into my score rotation. Mm-hmm. I, I have the theme and like one of the other songs in my in my normal rotation. Yeah. He also does a great one with uh, Sweeney Todd mm-hmm. talking about how the music spoils the movie, but only if you like really, really know music. Oh, okay. Uh, so there's a melody that's the, oh God, it's it's like the song of the dead or the, the something mortem, whatever it is. It's yeah. like this six note series. It's famous across all musicians and composers. Um, uh, and it's basically played anytime you see Sweeney start to lose his mind. You mm-hmm. always hear those six notes start. Oh, interesting. Um, and uh, 
it's yeah every character that dies in the movie their song always starts with the six notes oh okay mm-hmm. oh that's so clever yeah and they were going into it and i guess like uh dozens and dozens of people have analyzed this and have like eight part youtube series mm-hmm. about just the music of sweeney todd oh and how God. it uses like death as such a reoccurring theme in every song i i've never actually seen sweeney todd i might have to go watch oh it's now. it's pretty good i mean when i for people that watch it for the first time now a lot of them can't get past how johnny depp johnny depp is in this movie okay um, he's Depp and hard. He's he's full on Depp. Mm. Um, he's in Depp. He's. Uh, I wish I had something to throw at you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's a fantastic movie. Okay. Everyone, Sasha Baron Cohen is in it and does I a great job. Sasha Baron Cohen. So. Um, obviously, Alan Rickman is in it and yeah. does a. Uh, God, he's such a beautiful voice. I miss him so much. Oh, I know. Um. And like you, you, hammer. I know. Uh, and, you, and you know why Johnny Depp chose to do this movie, right? No. He was in another movie in the 90s where they dubbed over his singing voice because they didn't, Hollywood didn't think he could sing well enough. And so he trained, I don't remember what movie it was. Oh, yeah, I don't know either, but that rings a bell. Um, and so it was like this long running bit in Hollywood that Johnny Depp has the worst singing voice. Uh, uh, I think that definitively goes to George Clooney. When did he sing? He attempted to sing in "Oh Brother Where Art Thou," and they're immediately like, "Nope." Oh, okay, <laughs> not gonna happen. Uh, yeah, it's so fine. This... He's he's doing okay. Yeah, he's doing fine. Yeah, he's okay. Uh, he's got that ER money. Oh man, he's got the ER money. Uh, yeah, so this, so he made this movie. He he wanted to be in this movie mainly one because Tim Burton directed it, yeah. but also because it was just like, "Hey Hollywood, fuck you! I have a great I voice." Can sing. Yeah. Oh my god, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll plug those two for this week. What, what have you been watching, listening, reading? Uh, I just went and saw Zombieland Double Tap last it's night. It's pretty good. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's really fun. Like, I um, I don't think I've seen the original since it came out 10 years ago, but mm-hmm. I remember really liking it when it did. And look, it's not groundbreaking in any sort of sense, but it's a really solid, it's, you know, it's pretty tight. It's what, like 90 minutes, something like that? Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's a tight, fun ride all the way through. And I think it really hangs on the chemistry of those characters yeah. and those leads, which is just as good as it was back then. And for me, the best part of it was to see Emma Stone back on her comedic form. Yes. Because she's so good at she it. She is. She is a really incredible comedic actress. And obviously she's an incredible actress across the board. Um, but I feel like now she maybe tends to do a bit more stuff on like the, the serious side. I mean, once mm-hmm. you, especially when you like bag an Oscar, like all of a sudden. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, even in the favorite, you, the, the funny would sneak out. It would, you know. Yeah. We saw it a little bit in the A favorite. little bit in there. But to see her back on like Zombieland 1, Easy A, mm-hmm. that era kind of form was so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Plus they had some like great additional people like Rosario Dawson, obviously. It's so was good. Amazing. There's a, a fantastic sequence with Luke Wilson and Thomas Middleditch from <laughs> yep. Silicon Valley. Which you see the trailer, you probably know what I'm referring to. Oh, my zombie commandments. Yeah. It's, it's like, I have rules. Yeah. It's it's really, it's it's clever. It's fun. It's not really delivering anything more than the last one did but i thought it was you know if we're gonna revisit the space i thought it was a words worthy follow-up to it it's it's like the best kind of uh plane movie yeah it, it was just like it's just like refreshing yeah it it's was, easy you don't have to think about anything you no. can turn your brain off the whole time it's it's fun it's you know decently funny all the way through it's 
it's just it's really good like entertaining three star. It's film. something we've needed for a while. Yeah. Just like they're not trying to appeal to everyone. It's just if you like it, you like it. If you don't, yeah, eh, who cares? You can turn your brain off and enjoy it, but at the same time, it's not dumb. Yeah, like it's still clever in how it approaches things. I liked it. I liked mm-hmm. it a lot actually. Uh, so saw that, and then I have a self plug here, oh. which I should have plugged last week and completely forgot. But uh, we put out a new episode of Gay It Forward. Oh, you did! Finally, after months and months and months. Welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, uh, we did a Halloween episode, and we watched uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street Two: Freddy's Revenge. Oh, now I've never seen a Nightmare on Elm Street One. Neither have I. I had a vague understanding of how that character worked, but it didn't matter because that is not a horror film at all. It is straight up just like this weird, campy B movie. The second one? The second one. Okay, because I thought the first one was like an actual horror movie. The first one's like, yeah, like an actual horror movie. Like there's almost no horror elements in the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason we did it is my co-host and former guest on this podcast, Jonathan, had sent me a article that was why Nightmare on Elm Street 2 is the gayest horror movie of all time. And my God, is it? Oh, because uh, you know the concept of the Tell the, me more. the final girl, right? Hmm? In horror films, the final girl, kind of like the last one standing. Yeah, so it's obviously Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween. It's Sigourney Weaver in Alien. You know, it's it's there's the, always the last one. It's Sarah Connor even in mm-hmm. um, Terminator. You know, it's always the last person alive is like the female lead of the whole thing, or maybe a character that you didn't go into it thinking would be the female lead, but you know is. Um, you know, it's always the final girl against the villain. Mm-hmm. And this movie is a little bit different because it doesn't have a final girl. The main character is male. And so the idea is that he is being possessed by Freddy Krueger. And the whole thing basically just becomes this really blunt metaphor for being in the closet as a teenager. And it's, it's just like the main character is mostly not wearing a shirt and just like writhing around sweaty in bed. And there's an actual there's an actual sequence at like a leather daddy bar, and one of the characters gets like whipped to death naked in a shower, and it's like it's just super super gay and super campy. That's hilarious. Uh, so it was really fun to go visit that, and I, I think some some listeners already uh, go check it out. But if you haven't, go check it out. It's, it's a it's a pretty fun discussion of gay horror in general. Something I don't know much about. Mm-hmm. Like one of the podcasts, in fact. It sounds great. Um, and I have one more. Which you're gonna love. Oh, uh, so my friend Greer, who I know through my coworker Erica, uh, also shout out to both of them because they just got engaged really a couple days ago. Congratulations! Very exciting. Uh, but Greer and I have been f- hoping to hang out at some point because we realized we have like all the same common interests. Like he's also a big Batman fan. We were texting about uh, movies because he was listening to our episode on Return of the Joker, and he said the other greatest Batman animated movies are Mask of the Phantasm and uh, Red Hood. And I was yeah. like, yes, those are the right answers. Agreed, yes. You, uh, you have, you but have, he you also correct. has discovered our mutual love of dad jokes. Oh. And he sent me a link for the subreddit, dad jokes. And I'm scrolling through this, and it's absolutely fantastic. Um, I actually have one that you would appreciate, Cameron. Okay. So it's, uh, I found the first four Harry Potter books to be quite light, Except for the fifth one, which was dead serious. I hate you. <laughs> there, if, if you like, if you like that subreddit, there's another one that I highly recommend. Uh, it's it's like um, one sentence humor or something like that. Okay. Uh, and my favorite one, I wrote it down because it, it made me so happy. Uh, 
It was a uh, Victor Frankenstein wins a bodybuilding competition. Ah, uh, so good. Yeah. Uh, Cameron, how do locomotives know where they're going? Lots of training. Uh, <laughs> I closed the computer. can't read anymore. All right, I'll leave it at that. But if you also love a good dad joke like I do, go check out the uh, the subreddit for dad jokes, and I'll I'll put links that down in the uh, the show notes. But I think with that we're done. Yeah, one more one more week of static down. Yeah, a lot more to come. Much more to come, which will be very exciting. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, if you have uh, comments on what we're talking about here, if you have suggestions, if you have recommendations for film scores, I think especially. Yeah, I would always. love to hear because uh, I only listen to film scores when I'm working and I work a lot. Mm-hmm. So I would love some recommendations, but uh, we are at Tim talk pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. Mm-hmm. And I am personally at Lordifer on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. Also, if you want to uh, tell us what you're watching on Disney plus. Yeah, that's that true. Out. That's true. It is Disney plus day. So let us know. Mm-hmm. Is it weird that it's coming out in like 72 hours? Because that, that's crazy for me. I don't even think about it, to be honest. I mean, it's hard to miss, <laughs> as we mentioned before, all of Santa Monica Boulevard is just Disney Plus ads at this mm-hmm. point. That's all I see in my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> it just pluses. Well, okay, if you want to let Cameron know what your favorite thing on Disney Plus already is, yes. where can they find you? Uh, you can find my art at Cameron.Dexter. And if you want to see my face, you can find that at CamDexter underscore adventures. Boom, boom, boom. Yes. I would also be very curious what people's thoughts are on um, what the impact of the Joker is going to be. I'm, re- yes. I'm really, really curious what people think is going to, uh, what your predictions are, what's going to happen now, what mm-hmm. what the lesson, and maybe wrong lesson potentially that people are going to learn from, from the success of that movie. Mm-hmm. So we'd love to hear your thoughts. Yes. Share them with us. Yes. Uh, but in the meantime, thanks for listening. And thanks, guess what we have more? It's more Static Shock. Superhero, Superhero Static Shock. Whoop, whoop.